Thank you for checking out the sermon at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are, and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing through our church. Once again, thanks for checking out this sermon. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. You may be seated. We are kind of throwing a little bit of a curveball. Normally we do a little more music at this point in our service, but we do have an exciting celebration planned as soon as we dismiss. So we're going to kind of change the schedule up a little bit today, and I'm going to go ahead and teach right now. Uh, and, and I told you already that we are celebrating this weekend. we got a lot to celebrate. It really started for us yesterday. One of the pastors on our staff team, Jordan Smith, I had the privilege last night of performing the wedding ceremony for Pastor Jordan and his new bride, uh, Miss Cassie Baden. So uh, if you're looking for Pastor Jordan today, he's not here. Uh, he, he, he told me he had other things to do. He wouldn't be at our services today. But he's not here today, but we are celebrating with Jordan and Cassie. And I, I did their wedding last night, and it was a sweet time seeing these two godly young people join their lives together. And at a point in the wedding ceremony, I did what I always do. I turn from them, and I turn to the best man, and I reach for the ring. And I get the ring from the best man, and I give it to Jordan. And Jordan took a ring, and he placed it on Cassie's left wedding finger and then repeated some words of commitment to her. Then I did the same thing. I turned to the maid of honor, and I got the ring for Jordan. And Cassie took that ring, and she placed it on Jordan's finger. And there they exchanged those rings and exchanged those vows. And Jordan and Cassie became husband and wife. The ring that they used was a powerful symbol of a relationship that now existed in their life. Now, I want you to hear me very carefully. The ring did not make them married, right? I mean, a married person can take a ring off. That doesn't make them single. A single person can put a ring on. That doesn't make them married, right? The ring is just a representation of the relationship, the love relationship that exists between a husband and a wife when they've been joined together in that holy covenant of marriage. As you look up here today, you see that I have a ring on my finger, right? What does that tell you about me, that I'm what? I'm married, right? This is a ring that tells you that I have committed my life to my wife that I have a love relationship in my life, and I want the whole world to know about it. That's why I wear this ring. It's a public testimony of a relationship that exists in my life. It's why today Jordan and Cassie have those rings on. Why? It's a public testimony about a real love relationship that exists in their life. Now, as important as my relationship to my wife is to me, there's actually a relationship in my life that is even more important than my relationship to my wife. And that is a relationship that began in September of 1989. I told you last weekend my personal story that as a freshman in college, I met the Lord Jesus Christ personally. And in that moment, I was born again into a personal relationship with God. 
And as real and as vibrant as my relationship with my wife is, and as important as that is to me, even more important, because it's really the foundation of my ability to have my relationship with my wife, is my personal love relationship with God. And just like in a Christian marriage ceremony, we exchange those rings as a symbol of that relationship, God has given us an opportunity to publicly celebrate our relationship with him in a way that makes a similar statement. And the way we do that is baptism. You see, baptism doesn't save somebody. Baptism doesn't make you any more spiritual. What baptism is, is a person putting on their spiritual wedding ring. It's putting on a wedding ring and saying to the world, I have a personal relationship with God. It's a public testimony about a very real relationship that exists in our lives. I want to read you a passage of scripture and then I want to unpack some things about what baptism is. We do this once a year here at Hope. We take a Sunday after Easter and we unpack the truths of what baptism is because we have so many people after Easter that follow Christ in baptism. And we want people to understand clearly what we're doing today. So if you have your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 2. I want to read a couple of verses here and then explain some things and then we're going to go have a party. If you agree with that, say amen. All right. Verse 41 of this text of Scripture is where I'm going to begin. Now, let me tell you what's happened here in chapter 2. Simon Peter, for the first time, has publicly preached the gospel in Jerusalem. And thousands of people are responding to the gospel in Jerusalem after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and ready to give their lives to Christ. And let's pick it up. Verse 41. It says, So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. Now skip down to verse 47. It says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Bible talks about all these people that were being baptized. What does it mean to be baptized? Well, to be baptized... Is like I said, it's a public statement about your relationship with Jesus. But I want to break that down for you into three statements. There are really three things. When we watch these people in just a moment be baptized, and I'm going to invite you to stay. we got food. We're going to watch them get baptized. We're going to celebrate with them. As we watch this happen, they are really saying three things publicly in baptism. Here's the first thing that they're saying. Baptism says, I have given my life to Jesus. When these people out there today are baptized in that little pool, when I get the opportunity to stand there with them and see them baptized, they are making a public testimony that they have given their lives to Jesus. Look at verse 41 again. He says, so then those who had received his word were baptized. It's an important Greek tense there. It's it's the aorist tense that had received his word. And the aorist tense simply communicates a completed action. It means something that is already done. Here's what I want you to hear me say. These people had already received the word of the Lord. The word received there is a word that means to embrace or to take fully. The Bible says these people had heard the gospel. 
They had heard the truth that Jesus died for their sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the dead. And with everything in them, by faith, they had responded and received the gospel into their lives. They had fully embraced Jesus, meaning these people were not being baptized to begin a relationship with Jesus. They were being baptized to publicly declare that they already had a relationship with Jesus, and now they wanted the entire world to know about it. Baptism doesn't save you. As a matter of fact, you could get baptized until you were as wrinkled as a California raisin, and baptism will not save you. There's nothing mystical or magical or spiritual about the water of baptism, all right? It's the same water that comes out of your sink at your house. What makes it significant is when it represents a relationship that already exists in your life. It's like a single person wearing a wedding ring. It makes no sense without the relationship. But once you have a relationship like that, it makes perfect sense to give a testimony to everybody else. That's, that's the picture of baptism. Baptism makes a public statement that I've given my life to Jesus and I'm not ashamed of it. We saw about 40 people do it in the first service. We're going to see a whole bunch of people do it at the end of this service. They're going to be baptized. And here's what they're saying. When they stand in that water and they go down into that water and they come up, they are giving a testimony to you and a testimony to me and a testimony to the world that they have a relationship with God. Amen? Here's the second thing baptism says. Baptism says, I belong to the family of Jesus. I belong to the family of Jesus. You see, we, we tend to think about baptism only in that first sense that it says I have a relationship with Jesus, but baptism is more significant than that. It doesn't just simply testify about my relationship with Jesus. It also gives a public testimony about my relationship with the family of Jesus. Look back at verse 41. It says, In that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Now that begs a question. Added to what? The Bible says after they were baptized, they were added. It means to join together with. Well, what were they added to at baptism? Well, let me tell you what they weren't added to. They weren't added to the spiritual family of God, right? Because that happened the moment they trusted Christ. The moment the Holy Spirit of God came to live in them as they put their faith in the gospel, they were born again into the family of God to the degree that now every other Christian on planet earth is my brother and sister in Christ. So the moment you're born again, you belong to God's global family. But here there's something interesting. He says at baptism, they were joined together with something. Well, what was it then? Let me tell you what it was. Up until this point in Acts chapter 2, there were only 120 known followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. They would be called the church. That local, visible expression of the family of God. After Acts chapter 2, there was 3,120 people who had identified with that local visible expression of the family of God called the church. You see, these people on that day when they were baptized were publicly identified with the community of believers called the church. You see, baptism is not just given to the individual. 
Baptism is given to community. Christianity is to be lived out in the context of community. So when baptism happens, there's a powerful statement taking place. And I want you to see this. When those people today are baptized, you and I are making a statement. Let me tell you what we're saying. We're saying they are us. When we baptize these people today, we're saying they now belong to our family. We've walked with them. We've talked with them. We know that they know the gospel. We know that they've received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And because they've publicly identified with Jesus, we as a family of faith are embracing them as a part of our local family. They are us. But they're making a powerful statement too. You know what they're saying? They're saying we, we're you. Let me tell you why I know this is a big deal. And we've lost some of this in the American context today. But you go overseas where the church is persecuted like we've seen happen in recent days. 147 in Kenya shot and killed for their faith in the gospel. 20 plus people executed on video by Islamic extremists because of their faith in Jesus Christ. You know when persecution sets in overseas? Not when people pray to receive Christ. You know when it sets in? After they're baptized. You know why? Because there is a strong statement of identity when you follow Christ in baptism. You're not only identifying with Christ, but you're now identifying with a new people, the family of God, that local community of believers. It's a significant statement when we baptize people that they're saying, I have a relationship with Jesus, but they're also saying, I now belong to the family of Jesus. Let me tell you the third thing baptism says. Baptism says, I want to share the good news about Jesus. Look at verse uh, 41 again. It says, and the Lord was adding to their number, or the Lord added about 3,000 souls. Then in verse 47, it says, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So on day one of the New Testament church, 3,000 people came to know Christ, 3,120, now of them there are. But the Bible says then every day, every day, more people were coming to Christ, and more people were coming to Christ, and more How was that happening? Let me tell you how it was happening. The people who'd come to know Jesus and been baptized were now telling people who didn't know Jesus about Jesus. And they were coming to know Jesus and being baptized. And then those people were telling other people about Jesus. They couldn't keep it in. Jesus was so radically changing their lives. As soon as they met Jesus, got baptized, they started telling other people about Jesus. That there's something wrong in us in the church in America when we say we know Jesus and we're not telling somebody else about Jesus. When people come to know Jesus, they start telling other people about Jesus. Because Jesus has so changed my life, I want everybody to know about the person of Jesus Christ. That's what was happening here in the book of Acts. But you know, in the first first time they told their story was? The first time they told their story was when they got baptized. You see, in baptism, we get a beautiful picture of the gospel. Remember last weekend, we taught this series called, this service called From Death to Life, and we talked about what the gospel was. Remember we talked about the gospel is you in Christ... When he died, he died for you, he died for me, he died for our sins, and we were buried with Christ positionally. Christ paid the penalty for our sin. The gospel is you in Christ. 
his death, burial. But the gospel is not just his death and burial. The gospel is his resurrection, Christ in you. Jesus died for me. He died to save me. But then he rose again from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave. Now Christ lives in me, and that is the power of the gospel. You in Christ, forgiven, and Christ in you, now set free to live the victorious Christian life. That is the totality of the gospel. And listen, that whole picture is portrayed in baptism. Let me show it to you. Look on the screen. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through, say it out loud, baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of Life. Now, in this passage of Scripture, Paul is primarily talking about spiritual baptism, that moment when we're born again into relationship with God. But he uses the imagery of baptism to communicate a powerful principle. You see, when we baptize people today, the whole story of the gospel is wrapped up in baptism. We're going to take them out there. We're going to get in that pool of water. What are we going to do? We're going to ask them if they know Jesus. And when they say yes, we're going to take them down into that water. We're going to take them under the water. Why do we do that? Because we've died and been buried with Christ. All of our sin. What's pictured in the glorious picture of baptism is that all of our sins have been washed away in Christ. Christ died for us. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And we can be forgiven. But listen, when we take them under the water, we just don't leave them there, right? All the people getting baptized today said amen, right? We're not just going to hold them under the water. Why? We're going to bring them up. Why? Because Jesus didn't just die for us to forgive us of our sin. Jesus rose again from the dead as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sins. And now you and I, having been buried with Christ, can now be raised to walk in newness of life. You in Christ. Christ in you is all powerfully pictured and symbolized in baptism. I love the way Ray Pritchard said it. Look at this on the screen. He said, in short, in your baptism, you are preaching a sermon without using any words at all. You see, God gave us baptism to preach the gospel. You in Christ, Christ in you. Now, that's what baptism is. It's a public testimony and you know, at Hope here, we, we talk about the life of a Jesus follower. And we use three words, abide, connect, and share. We say following Jesus is all about a relationship with God, a relationship with each other, and a relationship with the world. You hear how all that's portrayed in baptism? Baptism says, first of all, I have a relationship with God. Secondly, baptism says I have a relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And thirdly, baptism is about proclaiming the gospel to people that don't have a relationship with God at all. Baptism is a public testimony in a holistic way that I am a Jesus follower. That's what it is. Now, before we dismiss and go outside and celebrate together, I want to ask one last question. Who needs to be baptized today? Who needs to be? Now, I want to begin by telling you two groups of people who don't need to get baptized today, all right? Two groups of people in the room, you do not, listen to me carefully, you do not need to get baptized today if you're in one of these two groups. You ready? Number one, 
people who do not have a relationship with Jesus. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, listen to me very carefully. You don't need baptism. You need Jesus. You see, baptism won't change you. Baptism without Jesus is just a cheap bath. There's nothing magical or mystical or spiritual about it. It's not going to earn you any favor with God. Every bit of favor we need with God, we find in the person of Jesus Christ. Baptism makes no sense without a relationship with Jesus. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't need to be baptized. You need to meet Him. You need to meet the one that died to save you and that lives to give you life. You need Christ. And when we dismiss our service in a few moments, if you don't know Jesus, we're going to invite you to give your life to Him. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't need to be baptized. Number two, people who already have been baptized according to the teachings of Jesus. If you're here today and you've already been baptized according to the teachings of Jesus, you don't need to be baptized. Baptism is not something that happens over and over again in the life of a believer. It is a public, defining moment. Too many times people use baptism in the wrong way. Baptism is not about you re-surrendering or recommitting your life to the Lord. No, baptism is a public defining moment that happens once in the life of a Jesus follower. And if you've already done that, you don't need to be baptized today. Now, you say, what does it mean to be baptized according to the teachings of Jesus? Well, at Hope, we believe after an exhaustive study of the Scripture that baptism according to the teachings of Jesus means three things. Here they are. Number one. You've been baptized after salvation. Meaning that you were not baptized until you began a personal relationship with God. Let me make this statement. The only baptism in the New Testament after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only baptism in the New Testament after the resurrection of Jesus is baptism of believers. People that have already come to know Jesus, just like we just read in Acts chapter 2. It's the only baptism practice. And at Hope, we believe we only have one rule of faith and practice. It's not tradition of the church. It's not what's been passed down from generation to generation. The only rule of faith and practice we have is what does this book teach? And this book, after the resurrection of Jesus, there's only one baptism. It's not even up for debate. You, nobody will debate this. There's only one baptism practiced in the New Testament, and that is baptism of believers, people that have already come to know Jesus. So here's what I'm saying. If you've not been baptized since you've come to know Jesus, that's not baptism according to the teachings of Jesus. If you had something done when you were a child or an infant or whatever, but it's not baptism after coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's not baptism according to the teaching of Jesus. Not saying it's wrong, not saying it's bad. A lot of churches practice a lot of different things that are not good or bad. They just are what they are. They're traditional. But according to Scripture, the only baptism is baptism after you come to know Jesus. Second principle, baptism by immersion. By immersion. What does that mean? By going down into the water and coming up out of the water. Wayne Grudem is one of the greatest uh, evangelical theologians of our day. Wayne Grudem has written a classic systematic theology I want you to listen to what Wayne Grudem says about baptism. Look at it on the screen. The practice of baptism in the New Testament was carried out in one way. The person being baptized was immersed or put completely under the water and then brought back up again. 
There was no debate or discussion in the early church. The only way they baptized was by immersion. Down into the water, back up out of the water. Now, over time, other methods and forms like sprinkling and pouring and other things became a part of the practice of the church. And usually it happened because of geography or climate or it happened because of health situations. And there are reasons like that where we make exceptions to that. But we believe the baptism of the New Testament is after salvation by immersion. For example, the word baptize is not a Baptist word. It's not a Catholic word. It's not a Presbyterian word. It's not a Methodist word. It's a Greek word. The word baptize we get from the Greek word baptizo. You can hear we just transliterated a word. Baptizo is a word that was, before it carried on the connotation in New Testament Christianity of baptism like we know it today, baptism was not a spiritual word at all. It was a word that was commonly used in Greek culture to to, to express one of two things. Number one, a ship that had been sunk under the water. They said, oh, that ship has been baptized. It's, It's gone underwater. Or a piece of cloth that was being changed into a new color. When they were going to dye it a new color, they would take that cloth and submerge it in the dye, and they would bring it up. They'd say that cloth had been baptized. In Christianity, they brought that word in, and it carried the spiritual connotation of being buried with Christ and raised to walk in units of life. So the meaning of the word and the message of the gospel, we believe, demands baptism by immersion. So after salvation... By immersion, here's the third tenet of what we believe to be baptism according to the teaching of Jesus. In fellowship with a community of believers. Baptism is not given to the individual. Baptism is given to the local New Testament church. So genuine Christian baptism happens after you know Jesus, by immersion, in fellowship with a community of believers. And here's what I'm saying. If you've already done that, You've been baptized since you've been saved by immersion in fellowship with a community of believers. You do not need to be baptized today. So there's the two groups. So here's my statement. Look at it on the screen. Listen carefully. If you are not in those two groups today, you need to be baptized. If you're not in those two groups, let me say it another way. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you have not been baptized after salvation by immersion in fellowship with a local church, today you need to be baptized. I know what some of you are already thinking. Pastor, uh, I didn't come prepared to do that today. I didn't bring any clothes. I didn't bring any. I'm not ready for it. Listen, don't worry about that. We went to Walmart. We got shirts and shorts of all sizes. We went to Bed Bath and Beauty and Beyond or whatever you call it. We got all the stuff that you need to restore you to the glory that you have as you sit right here right now. All right? We we got all the stuff that you need. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have not been baptized, today is the day for you to put your wedding ring on. Today is the day for you to say to everybody else, I know Jesus and I'm not ashamed of it. I belong to the family of Jesus and I want the world to know that I have been buried with Christ and that I've been raised to walk in newness of 
life. Today's the day. Now, already some of you are beginning to articulate excuses, right? The enemy will give us plenty. Let me give you the three biggest, all right? Number one, some people say, I'm not ready. I'm just not ready. Now, you see, we got I'm not ready, dot, dot, dot. Let let me tell you what the dot, dot, dot really could be filled in with. I'm not ready to obey Jesus. You see, we've made a mistake in the American church, and here it is. Rightly, we have put all the emphasis in salvation on by grace through faith. Because there's nothing in baptism that saves us. It is all by grace. It's what Christ did. It's who Christ is. And it's our faith in Him that brings salvation. But we've so put the emphasis there that we've almost made it sound like baptism doesn't really matter at all. Well, here's what you need to know. After you embrace the gospel, the very first command Jesus gives us is to be baptized. First one. Out of the gate. You're my Lord. Here's step one. Get baptized. If we don't follow him in baptism, we begin our walk with him by disobeying what he's called us to do. Some people say, well, I'm just not ready. I'm praying about that. Listen, you don't have to pray about what's clear in the Bible. That's that's as honest as I can say it. There's stuff that you and I aren't sure about we need to pray about. But if it's in black and white in the Bible, we don't have to pray about it. It's the will of God for us. Second excuse some people give. Some people say, well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what? Blank. You can fill in the blank. There's a lot of things people are afraid of. For example, some people say, I'm afraid of what people are going to think. Because some of you are are like my testimony. You've known Christ for a number of years, and you've just realized this morning, based on what I've shared with you from God's Word, Pastor, I realize I've never been baptized according to Scripture. Hey, that was my testimony. I came to know Jesus as a freshman in college. Then about a few months later, I surrendered my life to ministry. I began to serve in a church. And about five years later, I was on staff at a church that ran over 1,000 people. I was one of the preaching pastors. I preached a Sunday a month on average in that church, over 1,000 people. And God convicted me that I'd never been baptized since I'd been born again. That I had, when I was a kid, I could answer the questions right. So I got baptized when I was a small child, but I didn't have a relationship with God until I was a freshman in college. And God deeply convicted me as a pastor in this church. So I had to stand up in the pulpit as a pastor and say, hey, as your pastor today, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus in being baptized and obey his command of baptism because I realize I've never done that. I get it when you say, man, what are people going to think? But listen, Jesus commanded it. You've given your life to him. You'll never experience freedom in your walk with Christ until you get that in order and you get that right. Some people say I'm afraid of measuring up. Pastor, I'm afraid of getting baptized because I'm just not sure I'm ready to live the Christian life. Listen, and you, if you wait until you can, you never will. Can I let you in on some good news today? Hey, the call to Christianity is not a call for you to live it. The call for Christianity is a call for you to allow Christ to live through you. And that is a very different thing. You and I will never be able to live it on our own, but Christ in us can. Some people say they're afraid because they don't like doing things in public. Well, let me just say this about that. Following Jesus in public is not easy. I understand that. But if you can't do it in public in front of all these other Christians, how are you ever going to live publicly for Christ in a world out there that denies and rejects the person of Jesus Christ? Third excuse some people often give. Well, let me, let me read you a scripture before I give you that excuse. Look at this scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
The Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity. That means fear. But of power and love and of discipline. Therefore, look what he says. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Don't let fear rob you from giving a public testimony of your Lord today. Third excuse some people give is, I don't understand why it's a big deal. Pastor, why is this such a big deal? It doesn't save me. It doesn't make me any more spiritual. Why is it a big deal? Here's why it's a big deal. It publicly testifies your follower of Jesus. Put your ring on. It publicly identifies you with the family of Jesus. It publicly shares the gospel of Jesus with people who don't know him. And it's the first command that you've been given as a follower of Christ. Today is a day for you to be baptized.